Even with a broken heart, I'm singing hallelujah.
We bless you, Lord. Have you come to lift him up to magnify the Lord? Lord, we bless you in this place. We welcome you to have your way, Holy Spirit. Move among us, oh God. The lives will be changed.
If we look to these things, we're gonna, it's going to fall. But if we look to God for these things, the joy, the life, the strength, he will give us the strength to stand in the fire. Sing that verse again, okay? And you give me Whoa. 
Amen. Isn't God good, folks? Have you ever glad to be in church this morning? Good to see you in the house of the Lord. It is my prayer that by the time we leave this place today, that we will be able to say that we have been in the presence of Jesus. Because I want you to have more than just my presence in this house today. I want you to have more than just the presence of the singers today and the musicians. I want the presence of God to fill your heart today in a way that you haven't felt in a long time. In the middle of a world of chaos and despair that is going on all around us. Thank God that there's still a way making God that has everything under His control, in His hands. All power has been given unto Him even in heaven and even in the earth. I was going to sing, but my God, they did so good. I'm not even going to try. Let's go to James chapter 4. And I want to, I want to preach to us today on this thought. Now, I, I pray that this touches us today. Um, as, as church people, 
we preach a lot of, of the same things over and over and over again. You know what? We do the same thing, the same messages. We just use different verses, alright? But I feel like that there's a subject that I don't preach enough about because I feel like that we don't do enough of it. And it's one of the most simplest subjects in all of the Bible, and that's prayer. We talk about it a lot, we sing about it a lot, we just don't do it. And so today I want to deal with us, and I want to talk on the subject on how to pray an undeniable prayer. Does anybody know what the word undeniable means? I, I looked it up and I found two definitions. The first definition is this. Undeniable means that it is not possible to deny. That, that's pretty plain English, isn't it? Undeniable means it is not possible for it to be denied. The second definition means that it is not open to refusal. That means it has to be given. I want you to understand today that we serve a God that when we pray, if we pray the right way, that we can pray an undeniable prayer that God says, He's rung the prayer bells, I'm going to do it. I'm going to answer that prayer. Look at James chapter 4, and we'll go back and, and review these, but I'm just going to read them to you first. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have simply because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's powerful stuff right there, folks. God said it, not me. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, but He gives us more grace? I preached that just a little while ago. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and He will. Somebody say, He will. There's no He will flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will. And there it goes again. He will lift you up. One man said it this way. Prayer allows man to link his nothingness to God's almightiness. Prayer allows man, me and you, to link our nothingness. Has anybody been in a place that they felt like nothing or nobody? Have you ever been to a place that you understood your limitations? Has anybody understood that as you age, you get more limitations? I play ball with my son. He's a teenager now, and I'm a 37-year-old man. I still can whip him. But I can tell as the years go by that I'm breathing heavier and heavier. And so as long as he can beat me on endurance, that's why when you get ready to play a game, you don't go to ten, honey, you go to five. And as I get older, we'll do a three. You know what I'm saying? We'll do three. Maybe I can win because after a while, as you age, you begin to understand. You don't want to understand it. You don't want to think about it. But you are limited in what you used to do and what you can do now. I want you to understand that every time I get along with God in prayer, I'm understanding more every day. This is nothingness. I can do nothing with my situation. I can't change it. It doesn't. I can stress about it. Stressing out doesn't do me any good. All it does is give me more gray hairs and I've already got enough of them as it is. 
So all I'm doing is stressing, I'm panicking over things, or I may get anxiety. Surely I can do that. But at the end of the day, I must understand what is happening is I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. The prayers that I have are nothing without God's touch. So when prayer links me to God, my nothingness, my incapabilities, all of a sudden are linked with His almightiness. Does anybody understand what being an almighty God means? Being an almighty God means that there is nothing that my God cannot do. That is why He is called the Almighty God. There is nothing. Time or space cannot contain Him. Your situation cannot limit Him. He is the Almighty God. God. So that's why this guy prays that absolutely has nothingness to offer, but when I link it to God, all of a sudden things become possible. See, Ian Bounds stated this. He said, prayer can do anything because your God can do anything. What a powerful thought. Why is it that we as Christians, when we know these things, and I preach these things, and we sing about these things, but so often we fail to do this thing? Why is that? You would think that if we believed it, that we would want to do it. You know, if we really thought that, that the God that we serve is almighty, if we really believe that when we pray, that we're praying to a God that can do anything. See, according to John 16, 24, he said this. He said, ask and you shall receive. What a powerful promise from God. Ask and you shall Receive, James said in chapter 4 and verse 2 in our text here. In another version, he said it this way. He said, you do not have because you do not ask. How many of you in this building today need something in your life? And you're just now realizing, I haven't even asked God for it. I've talked to mom about it. i talked to the pastor about it. But my Lord, I haven't even talked to the guy that can change my situation about this thing. Have you ever thought about that? There have been things before in my life that I just, you know, I kind of just thought, well, God's just going to take care of this. But he says, you do not have because you have not asked for it. I want you to understand this is important. Failures in our lives, sin problems in our life, when you do things you shouldn't do, when you say things you shouldn't say, when you snap off the handle, fly off the handle or snap off at one of your waitresses or waiters because they didn't fill your tea, and you think to yourself, my Lord, that's not me. I normally wouldn't, what's wrong with me today? When you do things like this, I want you to understand that many times life failures are automatically linked to prayer failures. Are you with me? This, 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 is, this, is, this, will help us. this is going to help us today. Whenever we look at Peter, think about Peter, the Apostle Peter, the great Apostle Peter. I mean, this guy can walk by people, his shadow heals them. I mean, this guy is a man of God if there's ever been a man of God. But in the garden, do you remember the story? The great man of God, Peter, do you know what happened? Peter denied Jesus three times, right? Am I right? But what was he doing in the garden of prayer? He was sleeping. So he wakes up from his sleep. He has not been praying. And then all of a sudden somebody says, do you know him? Yeah, no, I've, I've never known him. And then it was brought to pass what Jesus had told him. Before the cock crows, you will deny me thrice or three times. It, it was not because Peter didn't love Jesus. It was because Peter had a prayer problem. And when he stopped praying, he started failing. And I need somebody to understand today that many of the failures in our lives, it is not because we don't love Jesus. It's not because we don't love the church. The reason that we fail so often is because we are failing to pray to the God of the universe like we should. Listen, 
I was thinking the other day, it's like a deer. You go to hunt a deer, you put some corn out, cornfield, you put it in an open space so that you can see the hunter, and he becomes the prey. And when he walks out into the open, what do you do? Bam! He's gone because he's walked out into the open. He's left the protection or the shield of the trees that he was in. You couldn't see him there. He's in a brush pile. But when he walked out in the open, that is how it is when we fail to pray. As long as we are praying, we're in this big thicket. We're, we're surrounded with the wall of prayer. Satan tries to get to us. He can't get to us. He tries to tear down our family. He cannot tear down our family. And the only reason he cannot is because we've been building a wall of prayer all around our lives, around our homes, around our jobs, around our families. I'm telling you, we've built this wall of prayer. And we're not an open prey to the enemy. But the moment that we fail to pray, we're like the deer in the open field. Sin will attack us. Satan will attack us. It is our vulnerability. That is why the devil hates it. When we talk about what I'm talking about today. Because he understands the power that will come into a believer's life when they learn the importance of praying. So I'm going to tell you today how to pray an undeniable prayer. Are you ready? The first point is the, the presumption of unoffered prayer. In James 4, 1 and 2 he tells us this. He says that man has tried many methods and means to obtain the things that they want in life. You can look at verse 1 and 2 and I won't put it up for time's sake. But he talks about this. He says they try wars. They try fightings. He said they tried their own lustful desires. They're murdering people. He says they are coveting what other people have. In other words, what they are doing, they are wanting to get what the flesh wants. And, and so they do the things of the flesh in order to obtain appease the flesh but God is wanting to show us something that prayer is too often the last resort when James is trying to get us to understand we are going to fleshly means when we should be going after a spiritual mean and that is through the power of prayer but God help us we are, we are so slow oftentimes when prayer I'm a Christian right so I should naturally pray I'm a Christian I should naturally understand the power of prayer why is it that I as a Christian and you as a Christian, instead of prayer being our first resort, the first thing we do, the first person we call is not our friend, it is Jesus. Somebody ought to say amen. So we wait until we're sick and then we pray. We wait until we're on our deathbed. That's why people don't get saved until they're on their deathbed and they're asking God to forgive them. They failed to ask God when they were living. There's no other method available. So what do we do? We're Christians. And so we're supposed to pray. But what I'm telling you is God help us that we would make prayer a first resort and not just a last resort. We have presumed that we can be blessed by doing things on our own without going to God in prayer. But James is trying to tell us in your own flesh it is nothingness. You cannot do it yourself. Your methods are going to fail and leave you falling short. The only answer on down is prayer that's what he says we have to pray I mean I want you to think about this God that we serve you know God doesn't want us just to go through life and struggle all the time God isn't up there thinking to himself how can I get Dale today he's not up there saying hmm, I'm gonna pull one over on Johnny today God is anxious to bless you 
I believe there's some of you in this building that God is leaning over the balcony of heaven right now, right here this morning, and He is thinking, my God, if they would just pray, if they would just ask me, if they would just call on my name, I am ready to bless them. I am ready to change their situation. But we fail to go to God in prayer. See, we just assume, we assume that because we haven't prayed, and God knows our heart, that God is going to answer our prayer but that is not the way it works folks we can't presume that if we don't offer up a prayer to God that God is just naturally going to give it to us it has been said that there is no problem no problem that cannot be solved through prayer how many of you believe today that that prayer still works I mean do you believe that y'all know my little niece Ava keep praying for little Ava she is an absolute fighter she is, let's see, uh, born on the 10th. She's 15 days old today, a little over two weeks old. She's been in three different hospitals. She started off at Ann Med, went to Greenville Memorial. They figured out she had uh, a transposition need or TGA, which is a congenital heart disease, which means that the pulmonary artery is on one side and the, the main aorta is on the other side. And so they literally have to, through surgery, flip them and put them on the opposite side that's a lot of surgery for a baby to go through so people start praying that's all you can do right you, you just pray and, and and so you're praying and you're saying god just let it work out so so she has the first surgery and you you think everything's fixed only to figure out later on that night that there's other arteries that are that are giving her issues and they're paper thin and and they've got to be reworked and rerouted and, and so she goes into a second surgery so here at fifth at 15 days old she's already been in at least 24 hours worth the surgery of her Life. So, so she's only been out of surgery for 14 days. A whole day of her life was dedicated to just surgery. So finally when the surgeon comes out and he's worked on her for hours and hours and hours. And he walks out and he looks at the family, my sister-in-law. And he looks at her and says, listen, this thing. He said, I, his first words, he said, I have had the worst two weeks of my life. Meaning that I guess surgeries had not went as planned. He had, I don't know if he had lost anyone through those surgeries. But he was having a rough time. It was just, just bad, bad luck. He said, for the last two weeks, it's been horrible. He said, so all that I can tell you is that there is a 50-50 chance that she's going to make it. She's going to make it. A 50-50 chance. The next three days are going to be critical to her making it. But he said these words, and I won't ever forget it, when she put it up, and she said that he said, I have done all that I can do. Those words to me just kind of stir me up. They, they do. Those words stir me up. When I hear people, doctors especially, that are trained to do this, they do surgeries every day of their life, and they look at you and say, I hate to tell you this, but I have done all that I can do. It's a 50-50 shot. What they have just told you is medically, I am at a place of nothingness. I am at a place that I've done everything within my capabilities, within my power, within my talent, within my skill set. I've done everything that I can. So it's 50-50, meaning I can do nothing. It is in the hands of an almighty God. No, see, see, God likes to work, folks, when nobody else will. God likes it when the doctor says there's nothing I can do. So, so as I'm praying to God, do you want to hear what my prayer is like? This is my prayer. Father God, touch and heal my baby Ava. I am asking you in Jesus' name. Now is the time for you to shine. This is what me and God are doing. This is your moment to show your glory because we are at a place and we are at a position that even the doctors have let them know that there is no hope medically.
prophetically on our end. But what they can believe in is that there is a God and prayer that can turn their situation around. So God in this moment, would you shine in this moment? Would you let them know that you are God and you are God alone? And then when she walks out of there, you are able to say, Hey, I know that God touched our baby. I know it was the power of Christ. It was this powerful word called prayer. And so keep praying for Ava. She's, she's going through a lot today. She's actually got an ECMO machine. I was going to tell you earlier, but that ECMO machine actually pumps uh, for her heart so that she can rest after so many surgeries. And so they, they cut it down a little bit yesterday. It was on 350 is the top number. That don't mean much to you, but it's 350 is the top. They cut it back to about, I believe it was 200 that they cut it down to. And just left it for a couple minutes. Her little heart went to working. And so they'll keep working on the ECMO today. Eventually, either today or tomorrow, they're going to clip that bad boy off. And when that happens, we're going to have to see if her little heart's going to pump for itself. But see, what's going on here is that there's so many people that are praying. It's powerful, folks. It is powerful. And see, we wouldn't have made it this far without prayer. I'm telling somebody today, you need to understand as a child of God that this is the most powerful resource that you have in your arsenal. If President Trump were to get in a war right now and he had to lay a nuke down, he'd want to get the biggest and the baddest if he needed it. And we've got them in our arsenal. To them, nuclear is the most powerful weapon that they can use should we get in a war that we cannot get ourselves out of. Last resort, we would nuke them. Just like Hiroshima, you remember reading in Japan, that story, Pearl Harbor many, many years ago. I still have a paper my mother had cut out of Pearl Harbor. It was a memorial day of memory to where they dropped that bomb on Hiroshima. Listen to me, I want to tell somebody here today that the most powerful weapon in your arsenal is prayer. The most powerful weapon that you can bring out when all of hell is coming against you and your family and it looks like it's going to go for the bad, it's going to turn for the worse. If you would just pull it out, it's a nuclear bomb that you have in your your arsenal and with prayer all things are possible because with God all things are possible oh my God aren't you glad can somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise give him glory there are no problems too big to solve however there are people that are too small to solve them themselves anybody feel that way I was reading about David I gotta hurry I, I was reading about David uh, the other day, and, and in Psalms, David calls himself a worm. All right, a worm. Now, I don't know about you, worms are kind of dumb, to be honest with you. Y'all know I'm preaching, right? It was a few weeks back, I walked out. It was in, well, it was actually in the summer, so I guess we're still in the summer, it feels like. But anyhow, and so I walk out into my driveway, and literally, I'll never forget it, it was like a bloodbath out there. If there was one earthworm, there was a hundred of them. They wait until the sun comes out, and they go out and they just say, well, I'm just going to lay out in the sun a little while. I guess they feel sticky, I don't know, slimy, and they go out there and lay till they die. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, tanning can kill you, I guess. And so they go out there and they just lay out till they die. They're such a fragile little creature. You can take your foot and you can step on it. Please don't do it. They're, they're cute little things, right? I watched Bear Grylls eat one the other day on TV. I'm not going to try that, but anyhow... I don't like what comes out of it. But anyhow, and so they squish, you squish it with your foot. And you it's dead. 
A worm is one of the most little insignificant little animals in all the world. I mean, they don't have any power. They don't, any prey. They're a prey to anybody. Any predator can take out the worm. I don't care what it is. But I've seen, I've seen them when they're laying out there and ants are literally grabbing them in, in an army and pulling them. We're taking you to the mother ant. Mama's going to be happy. And they're sitting there and they're just pulling them. What in the world? They're just a fragile creature. Whenever David was writing in Psalms, he referred to himself as being a worm. Meaning I'm fragile. And when I stand in the presence of God, I'm even more fragile. When I get in His presence, I realize how incapable I am. When I get to preaching, if God doesn't show up, I understand how dumb I really am. Because I need His Holy Spirit to speak to me and to flow through me. And that's why I say, God, I'm just a mouthpiece. You just, you just let it flow. And I'm telling you, sometimes I feel like Joe Biden. I know I didn't just say that did I, on TV. Uh, Joe Biden, sometimes I forget what I'm trying to say. And when that happens, I know that the Spirit hasn't showed up yet. And I'm like, somebody praise God. And I'm turning around and I'm like, my God, if you don't help me right now, Jesus. What I'm telling you is I learned my insignificant. David said, I feel like a little worm. But see, I want you to understand that shows how small David is. There's problems that I'm too small to solve. There's problems that you, being the worm you are, as David says, you're too small and fragile to solve them yourself. But I want you to understand, when David, hallelujah to God, is walking and taking his brothers a little food and a little bread and a little cheese, and, and he's walking with his card, and, and they said, what have you done? Have you come to see the battle? And he hears this guy cursing their God. His name's Goliath. He's a lot bigger than he is. He's a lot better than he is. He's got all these weapons, all this warfare. David's so fragile and weak and ruddy, he cannot even carry Goliath's sword. I mean, this guy is just a ruddy little fellow. The Bible tells us he was a ruddy fellow when Samuel went to anoint him. He's not some big muscle builder. He's even referred to himself as a worm. But when he heard that man curse his God, he looked at him and said, Listen, I don't come to you in my own strength. I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts. And all of a sudden, when his nothingness was connected to God, all of a sudden it became so awesome because this little worm, this little fragile David would go out there and take Goliath out, knock him down with a stone, he'd fall on his face he'd walk and get the enemy's sword and he would kill him with the very thing that the enemy was trying to kill him with, he actually took him out with, I need somebody to know that that's the way you may be today, but through prayer I promise you, there is no problem that is too big when you link to God, all of a sudden his almightiness takes control and God begins to make things fall into place, that's a God that you and I serve. Man, are you happy about that today? So, our problem is a prayer problem. So, we must repent of our prayerlessness. We must ask God to forgive us. We shouldn't ask for anything until first we repent for our prayerlessness. And then we can ask God. It is not until we pray that God moves in the action. See, too often as Christians, we think that just because we're saved, that God automatically is going to answer every prayer that we ever pray. But prayer avails us of these divine resources and supplies that God's given us. God doesn't move in the action until we ask Him to. He's waiting to hear your voice. You have not, James said, because you do not ask. Mm, my God, prayerlessness 
It's more than just missing a blessing. It is a sin for a Christian not to pray. Is that taking it too far today? It is a sin if I as a Christian fail to pray. Don't believe it? 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23. He said it. He said, God forbid. Look at the first part of this. That I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to what? In ceasing to pray for you. We sin against God when we do, not only when we don't, when we don't pray. According to this verse, we sin against God when we don't pray for one another. Ooh, that, that, this is too deep. It's too deep. Somebody said, I can't remember everybody's name. I can't either. Aren't you glad for God's almightiness? Because I can ask Him to bless my church family. And God knows who our church family is. He can encircle every one of them. It's a simple prayer. But I've asked God to do it. And God jumps in the action. When we ask for something that benefits the house of God. And the church and the kingdom of God. So in short. God help our pastors. God help our leaders. God help our president. God help our members. God help our attendees. Those that attend our church. God just strengthen them. That is why Thessalonians said. Pray without ceasing. Every where you go. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them. That men always ought to pray. And not to lose heart. That means as long as I keep praying. I will not get so discouraged that I want to quit. I will not get so discouraged that I lose my heart. And say man where is God? Does God even exist? As long as I'm praying. I'm staying close to him. That connection between me and this almighty God. See John Bunyan said it this way. He said prayer will make a man cease from from sin and sin will entice a man to cease from praying my life is no greater than my prayer life my ministry is no greater than my prayer life my anointing on this stage will be no greater than my prayer life. What I am in my prayer closet speaks of how effective I am or I am not in the pulpit. How much I'm in my prayer closet is going to determine how effective I'm going to be when I witness and tell somebody about Jesus. It's going to show how effective I am through the laying on of hands and praying for people. It's going to show in the singers. It's going to show in the musicians. It is all about our prayer lives. I'm talking about really praying, folks. I'm talking about tapping into heaven. I'm talking about knowing that you've, the old song used to say, prayer bells of heaven, oh, how sweetly they ring. We often talk about those that have went on before us. You know, Paul Stevens was such a wonderful soul, was he not? And some of you that are new here today, and that's what's so sad whenever you have men and women of God that come up in churches. They were raised in the church and you have new people and, and they come in and they don't, they don't understand what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? They, they weren't there. They didn't have the opportunity to meet them. Didn't have the opportunity, really, quite frankly, just to have them pray over, him one, over you one time. That's, that's what you want. But Paul Stevens, every Wednesday night, he's with Jesus right now, but man, every Wednesday night before we start our class, nine times out of ten, Brother Paul, I need you to pray. And to hear that man pray, you could tell that it wasn't just a rehearsed prayer. It was a prayer from the heart. And it was a prayer that there was an anointing in the room. You, a matter of fact, it's, it's one of those prayers that, that when they began to pray, you could feel. You could feel. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
I mean, I mean, I could just be like, Lord, bless our food today. But when Grandpa gets down on his knees, I'm my God, heal our nation. I mean, it just all of a sudden, everything changes. Over a simple blessing. And I've seen it. I've seen people do that. I, I've been in people's houses preaching revivals. I remember one man in, in, uh, distinctly that got down on his knees. I thought, my Lord, man, I'm hungry. But he called heaven down. I mean, I know I was supposed to be more spiritual than that, but I'm telling you, when your stomach's growling, it's hard, ain't it? And, and that man prayed. Listen, I want you to understand, don't presume or assume that just because God knows your needs, He's going to answer your prayer. That is not the way it works. If you want God to answer your prayer, you've got to offer up a prayer to Him. God help me. Alright, let's go. Point number two. got to hurry. The problem of unacceptable prayer. What is an unacceptable prayer? Look at James 4.3. You ask and you do not have because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your own pleasures. It doesn't matter how, how loud you pray. How long you pray. It, the question is if I pray with the wrong motive. God will not answer my prayer. If I ask God to give me a brand new Porsche just because I think I deserve one, God's not answering that prayer. How does my Porsche benefit the kingdom of God? Is somebody in this church going to get saved because pastor drives a Porsche now? Is it going to benefit the kingdom of God? Now, if my car's breaking down, it's doing bad, I need God to supply a need, Father, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know if I'm going to get a new one. I don't know if you're going to heal this one or, or if it's going to be less of a problem than I thought it was going to be and that mechanic's going to make me happy when he gives me the bill. But whatever it is, let your will be done. Now that, so I can get around and do your ministry, so I can still go to church, so I can still do this and that. And the other. When you pray like that, that's an acceptable prayer. You're going to the house of God. You're using it for a prayer. If you've got a job, you've got to get to your job, Right? So if you're asking God to help you with that car that's messing up, that's an acceptable prayer. If you're asking God to bless you because you need a new vehicle because yours is just shot and you need it to provide for your family going back and forth to work, that's a good prayer. Do you see the difference? It's about the motive. It's about why I'm asking God for it. So as long as I'm asking God for things that are to fulfill my own pleasure, my own needs, to make me happy, God says, you've been praying, but when you've been asking, you've been asking for the wrong things. My God, Why would we waste God's time asking for things that we don't need? One man said it this way. Many prayers have been sacrificed on the altar of our own lust. In other words, we pray for things that we want, not things that we need. It doesn't matter how long you pray, lady, pray ladies and gentlemen. It's about the motive. Look at 1 Kings 18. You know this story. It comes to pass. I'll skip down through here. Time of the evening sacrifice. Elijah the prophet. This is what he prays. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. It's kind of like what I pray for, for my niece. That you're God in Israel. And I am your servant. And that I have done all these things. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me. That this people may know. I love this. That they may know that you are the Lord God. And that you have turned their hearts back to you again. He did not ask God to give him an audience so he could say, Hey, I'm the prophet of fire. Look, I pray God sends fire down from heaven. Look, I pray God answered it. But 
Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt offering. It, 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 the, the, the wood, the stones, the dust that licked up the water that was in the trench. God was showing that He was truly God. Do you know the length of this prayer? You don't have to count them. It was 63 words. But what He was asking for would bring glory and honor to God Almighty. And the reason I need you to do this is not so I can say I touched heaven so that I can get a name so that all the prophets will bow down and worship me and I can get my spotlight and I can get my glory and people's oh how talented he is oh how anointed he is he says the only reason I'm doing this is because I want the people that are here today to witness that you are God and you are God alone it's the right kind of motive brothers and sisters the wrong motive will not be answered. So I guess what I'm trying to say is many of our prayers are selfish. Quite frankly, many of our prayers are sinful. When we pray a prayer that is unacceptable. God will not subsidize a man's sin. He won't assist us or support them. That's why in James 4.4 4, he speaks to us of spiritual adultery. People want to take the mercy of God for granted. They want to take the love of God for granted. They want to keep satisfying their own desire in the world, doing what they want to do, but still have a piece of heaven. And God says, you're adulterers and you're adulteresses. He says, how can a man that says he's a friend of God be a friend of the world? Because God reminds us through James, when he's talking about prayer, he reminds us that if we are going to be friends of the world, that we are enemies with God. You think God's going to answer my prayer? Anybody? If I'm going around just satisfying my desires? Of course not. That's a prayer that's unacceptable. And I'll leave you with this thought today. The principles of undeniable prayer. There's five basic things I want to show you that he shows us in this chapter. Go to verse 6 real quick. Shave it. We're just going to work right down through here. But he gives more grace. Therefore God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. The first thing I want you to see is sensitivity to the Spirit. When I'm humbled in the presence of God. When I fall down on my face before God and I begin to pray to Him and I begin to talk to Him, this is what I'm going to say. This is an undeniable prayer. When I begin to say, what are you saying to me, God? Huh? What are you saying? You, you, you speak and I will listen. What direction do you want me to go, God? All right, I'll go in that direction. We want to talk about other people changing, but, but is the Spirit telling me to change? What's that I hear? Is that the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Oh, come on now i got to listen to the Spirit. Verse 7. Let's read this. Therefore submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. The first thing I want you to see is submission to the Father. This is where Jesus prays in the garden. We have to do it sometime. Your will, not my will. Your will, not... I, I need you to grab that. Your will, not my will. There are some prayers that you are going to pray that God is not going to answer them the way you want Him to. There are some times that you're going to pray for a miracle and God's not going to give you your miracle. That's the way it is. Because there's times that we have to say, you know what? It's not about what I want. It's not about what I desire. I want your will to be done. I hate to say it. I've walked into the room with some people that quite frankly, I'm not going to lie to you. I believe God's a God of healing. I really do believe that. I've seen Him do it. I, he's done it for me. I know. I've seen Him too many times. But I walked into people's room and I knew in my heart, I knew in my heart, I just felt it. I don't know how, I just, I just kind of felt it that this person is not coming out of this situation. I just, I just knew it. I don't, I don't know how. I just, I just felt, I don't know if it's the Spirit, I'm not saying it was, 
But when I walked in there, I just knew that this, this is it. This is it for them. And I remember when I prayed for them, this is all I'll say, Father, we just pray and we know you're a God of healing, but, but we pray that your will would be done here. Whatever you know is best. And sure enough, many of those people went on to be with Jesus. See, what we don't understand is simply this. There are people in our life that we may lose and we may wonder why we lost them. Some of them, they happen suddenly. And we are absolutely blown away. Let's pray for the. And I'll tell you, Joyce Harless, as many of you may know, I, I send out on a prayer chain. Miss Joyce passed away. She went to be with Jesus. But her dying testimony, they're going to be having the funeral in, in Indiana, out of state. That's where she has her burial plot with her husband, latest husband. But, but this is the thing. What she told her daughter was this. I'm ready to be with Jesus. I'm ready to be with Jesus. Now, I can be selfish. I say, God, that's mama. You can't take mama. But what we have to understand is that there's times that God's working things for our good, for their good, and we don't even know it. I mean, I mean, what if God takes out somebody in a car wreck? It's suddenly. There's no pain. All right? But God allows them to stay with me for another year. And at the end of that year, they're laying in a hospital bed. They've been there for eight weeks now. They've got cancer. They're on radiation. They're suffering every day. Which scenario will you take? Which scenario? Well, if you're me, you don't want to see them suffer. Because you just don't want to see your loved ones do that. So what I cannot see is what God has already seen. And that is why when we're praying an undeniable prayer, we're understanding whatever the will of God is, that is exactly what I'm going to submit to. That is exactly what I'm going to heed to. That's exactly how I'm going to pray. It may not be the way I want it. Sometimes it's a yes. Sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's wait just a little longer and I'll answer later on in my time. Mm. All right, verse 7, stay there. The next thing he says, you got to stand against the devil. you got to resist him. How do you do that? You do it through prayer. Verse 8, he tells us separation from the world. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. Wash your hands, sinners. He says, purify your minds. Double-minded. No more spiritual adultery is what James says. Either you are going to love God, you're going to serve God. And if you serve me and love me, I will answer your prayers in my will, according to my will. But if you're going to hold on to the world and, and you want to be a friend of the world and a friend of God... I can't answer those. They're unacceptable prayers. But when I'm connected to God, I'm living the best that I can. God will hear every word that's uttered out of my mouth. I can tell you that with undeniable evidence. It is true. Because God's word says so. Go on, go on to the piano if you don't mind, Miss Susan there. Uh, and I'm going to close with verse 9 here. He says, now, now watch this. This is seriousness toward the purpose. Seriousness towards this prayer. Look at what he tells us. Now normally, as Christians, we would flip these upside down. Because there's one place that he said, I'm going to turn your mourning into dancing. Woohoo! I'm going to turn your sadness into joy. Hallelujah! Let's shout now forever hold our peace. Weeping may endure for the night, but praise God. Joy is coming in the morning. Woo! We love that kind of stuff. But when it comes to really getting down to business with God in prayer, this is what he says. Instead, I need you to lament, mourn, and weep. Fall on your face and touch heaven. Quit playing games. Quit messing around. Quit being half connected to church. Quit being half connected to Jesus. Lament, mourn, weep. Let your laughter... 
that joy you've had, that laughing you've done, let it be turned to mourning and let your joy be turned to gloom. What kind of prayer is this? It is one that when we get down the business, that God says when this happens in your life, all of a sudden you're going to pray and it's going to be an undeniable prayer and God's going to hear you. God's going to say they ain't playing no more. They ain't laughing. They ain't cutting up anymore. They ain't joking around. They're sold out to me. They love me with all their heart. They've quit their dancing and they've started mourning. They've quit walking the church and worrying about their own needs. Now they're weeping for God to save their community. They're weeping for God to change their world. They're weeping for God to cover their president in prayer. They're Weeping and they're seeking God to save this nation and cause us to repent and send a revival to the church. It is when we do that that it's an undeniable prayer. Let's stand. I'm closing. So, so here we go. So today, nothing that we do as Christians is more important than prayer. It is our lifeline, it is our defense. So if we follow those few steps I just told you about, then we'll be able to pray an undeniable prayer. And all of a sudden our prayer life will be one of victory. One of answered prayers. It was amazing. One of the guys I read about, he would go into his room, he would open his Bible, he would pray. And I wish I had the numbers today. I've got it written in another sermon at home in my briefcase. I can see it. I wrote it with paper, pen and paper. But he would point at that Bible verse and he would pray and say God this is what your word said so I'm, I'm praying right now on the basis of your word that this is what you're going to do he literally wrote down every prayer that he prayed that was answered when he died and they got his diary and his journal beside his Bible thousands I can't even remember how many it was but it was thousands of prayers that God had answered because he could not deny what his word said and what the man of God prayed. God help us today. God help us today. So I call us the prayer. I ask us, let us set a time aside to meet with God. But my schedule, Pastor, I know your schedule. But before you go to bed, you ought to go ahead and plan to pray the next day. Can, can I just say it this way? <clears throat> All right, I, I'm a preacher. And we fix, I'm a prayer and I'm going to let you go. But, and they ain't even 12 o'clock yet. This is why I like starting 10 till, Brian. I can kind of take my time. Listen to this. I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. It is a fact in my personal life that when I pray, I can feel a difference in my life. Anybody with me? Anybody? Now, I'm a preacher up in here, so, so I know we're talking from different views of life and different jobs, different ministries, different things. I understand when I pray, I can feel it when I preach. I can feel it. I know that I have touched God. I know it. I know it. So you, you, you may not see it. You may can't feel it. But, but inside, I know when I've been talking to God and God is bringing it, it, it out of me. I, I don't even know what to say. But God, He's just pouring it out. It's flowing because I understand I've been with God. And when I've been with God, it shows. And I need somebody to understand. It's the same way with you. When you have been with God, people are going to know you've been with God. Whenever the disciples, you remember the story, when they're um, getting arrested and all this kind of stuff for preaching the gospel, they let them out 
And this is what was said of them. These men have been with Jesus. It is showing on their face. They have been in their prayer closet. It is when they talk. When they talk, I can feel the anointing. When they tell me everything's going to be alright. It's not just another friend of mine patting me on the back trying to make me feel better. I know they've been talking to God and they heard something from above. My God, when they said it, I knew it. They've been with Jesus. So today I challenge you. I challenge you to pray. Father, help us as Christians. Help us, help us, help us. My God, help us. The most powerful tool is in our arsenal. I'm asking you to stir up this congregation. I'm asking you to stir me up. Stir it from the back to the front. Let us have a passion for prayer. Let us understand there's things in our life. Maybe they are an answer because we haven't even told you about them. But I'm praying that some people this week would go home and they would start calling it out to God and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for prayerlessness. Forgive me for not asking. Father, there's things in my life that I need you to do. I thought you were just going to do it because I was, I was a Christian. But God, I understand today after Pastor preached, I've got to tell God what I want. I've got to pray and, and seek Him with a sincere heart and have the right motive. And my prayers can be answered. The God that I serve. In Jesus' name. If you receive the word today, shout amen. Go ahead, Lisa.